Well, hello and welcome to 15-Minute Theology, a podcast covering the central truths of the Christian faith in hopefully 15 minutes, somewhere around 15 minutes. My name is Tyler Burton, and in this conversation today, we are going to be talking about God's spirituality. What does Jesus mean in John 4.24 when he says that God is spirit? Well, somebody here to help me out with that is somebody who is more than up to the task to talk about these things and in the proposed time to do it. So this is going to be great. Walter Strickland is an associate professor of systematic theology at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. He's also one of my pastors at Imago Dei Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. Walter, what's going on, man? Nothing much, man. It's going to be to be here with you today. Man, I am glad to have you on. You were I built a list of people when I was building out this project, and I had... 10 episodes I knew I wanted to do, and I had 10 folks, and you were one of the 10 folks that I was like, I, I got to have Walter on this, whatever we're doing. So I'm excited. This is going to be fun. Yeah, man. It's, it's, it's going to be here. Thanks for having me again. Absolutely, man. So let's just get right into it. Uh, God's spirituality might be something that we kind of have a vague notion of, might not entirely have it fleshed out. So just kind of jumping off, what does it mean when we say that God is spirit? Certainly. Um so, so God has no body, but he's fully, has full personhood. So God exists, but is not in bodily form. So of course, some of you guys might be thinking, but hold up, what about Jesus? That's true. So, but I would say before Jesus entered into time and space, God always existed and God existed not having a body, but being spirit. And so something I want to be careful of is not sort of then sort of minimizing the triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit to just the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit has like, you know, it's, that's a, a personal reality all its own. But God, Father, Son, Spirit at that time was uh, fully spirit. And then, you know, at some point in history, you know, we know that Jesus, you know, came to came into earth. He was born of a virgin, you know, as the creed says. And at that point, then the second person of the Trinity, and, and one distinction I often make, just for clarity's sake, I, I usually talk about the second person of the Trinity prior to Jesus's birth. And then after the birth of Jesus, I talk about Jesus because that's a name. It's a, it's a person, you know, it was, it was given Emmanuel, God with us. And so uh, I often speak of it that way. So God is spirit. You know, we're, we're, we're talking about a God who is powerful. But I always make a distinction between powerful and strong with my son. He's like, God, God is strong. And I'm like, well, God, God doesn't have any muscles. So he's powerful. So, so God, you know, can speak thing or God can just make things be, make things happen. You know, even Jesus, I would say he, he wasn't walking around benching 500 pounds while, you know, it was obvious why he's throwing things around in the temple, but God, Jesus could spoke peace be still. And it was. So there's a power that's there with the spiritual reality of God that doesn't often equate to human strength. But at the same time, that sort of speaks to the reality of, you know, God's spirituality. Yeah. So I like that just right off the bat, it means he's got nobody, right? He, he doesn't have nobody. He's got people, but he's got nobody, right? Yes. Um, uh, there's no, there's no composition. There's no makeup to this God is. Certainly. He's purely purely spirit. Yeah. There's, um, there's, there's no, there's no biology quite yet. <laughs> until the incarnation. Exactly. Then I'm, so I'm curious from that then in, in Ascension, Jesus now at the right hand of the father, how, how does kind of spirituality work in this space? Jesus has a glorified body. It's kind of the prelude to us then in our resurrection, the glorified body we will have. How does kind of like 
post-ascension, the spirituality of God function? Yeah, certainly. So as far as with Jesus in particular, we know that Jesus was, as the scripture in Luke 1, 4 says, was filled with the Holy Spirit during his time of temptation and what have you. So, and I don't think that's an aberration. I think that's consistent in the life of Jesus. I think what we often do, because we know that Jesus is fully God, fully man, we often lean into his divinity, almost to the exclusion of his humanity, mm-hmm. so much so that we forget the fact that Jesus was, you know, filled with the spirit as Luke 1, 4, or 4, 1 says. So I think that in the spirit of God's creative agenda from the beginning, you know, creating humanity, both with a complex composition of body and soul. And then if you're trichotomous, you know, my vice, body, my soul. That's but, a lot of things. Yeah, no, we don't need a lot of that now. That's a For simplicity's sake, you know, if we say that God made us with that complex constitution, then Jesus being fully God and fully man had that as well. And in the resurrection sort of body, that reality is brought back together powerfully and then ascended to the right hand of the Father. So, you know, I, I would say that at this time, Jesus in his resurrected body is still fully engaged with the Spirit as was intended, and it will never be undone again. And that's the beauty of that. And then, and then meanwhile, we still have the, the Father and we have the Holy Spirit still doing, you know, work as Spirit as well. We know that even post, I, I think this is the whole point of the ascension, right? To, as far as the missional implications of the ascension is that Jesus was with the disciples. And then if he left, then he gave them the, the paraclete, the, the comforter, the spirit to then send them out into all the world. And the reason why I think that is, is because, you know, Ephesians says that the Holy Spirit is the deposit to the believer of what's to come this sort of kingdom reality to come, because now as those who are then the temples of the Holy Spirit, and I know I'm bouncing all over the place, or biblically. Keep going, please keep going. As the temples of the Holy Spirit, which has all sorts of intentional sort of references back to the Old Testament with the temple moving around and God's presence being in it. Now we are, because of the Spirit of God in believers, are little temples who are taking the word of Christ in the message of Jesus around the world. And so the ascension is so important. While Jesus is fully engaged with the Holy Spirit at the right hand of the Father, I think now we are the beneficiaries of the indwelling of the Spirit that then catalyzes us into mission and to the ends of the earth. And so unlike other religions, Christianity doesn't have a geographic center. Yeah. So because Jesus was a historical figure and actually was embodied in a particular place, there certainly is the place where we call the Holy Land and things like that. Sure. But that's not a place where Christians take journeys to on an annual basis in order to be faithful to our, our Christian commitments. We, those who have the Spirit in us, are are able to do that wherever we are because we are called to go ye therefore in all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we're able to do that because we have the, the Spirit in us. And so that's a way of saying, so after the ascension, what's the Holy Spirit doing with Jesus, but also Father and also Holy Spirit working out their sort of triune work in us and through the church? That's so good. And it it ties back to that essential nature of God as Spirit. So because God is spirit, mm-hmm. 
Yeah. He can, he's therefore universal. He's not tied to a location, right? Mm -hmm. A spirit is not fixed on a geographic location, right? We know that these things happened in real time and space, but they aren't limited to time and space. And that's because our God is universal because he is spirit, right? Okay. So then you, you mentioned a little bit about the other religions piece. When we start talking about spirituality or the nature of divine spirits, there's a lot of there's a lot of presumptions that come up in people's head, right? People will think of a lot of Eastern religions where to be spirit means that God is everything mm-hmm. uh, or that God is some kind of nebulous v- vibe, if you will. Or there's there's kind of the other end where there's the cultic religions that then say, uh, well, God absolutely is a spirit, but you know, God started as a man and then just kind of graduated up to being a spirit now has his own planet, right? Which that's kind of a whole other thing in and of itself. But mm-hmm. how would you say the the Christian distinction of God's spirituality really separates itself from those immediate assumptions we might have about what yeah, it yeah. is? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think it's, oh yeah, sorry, sorry about that. Go. I, I think it's good for us to, to and if I can just generalize this for a second, other kinds of spirituality outside of Christianity are fairly vague and like a little bit nebulous. When we talk about spirituality in Christianity, which by the way, I think evangelicals ought to like definitely lean into because we need to be fully human as God created us. But the kind of Christian spirituality is a particular spirituality. It's a particular spirit working in his people towards Fair, a, yeah. specific, a specific end of Christ-likeness. Yeah. So we, we ought to taste and see that the Lord is good it's the Holy Spirit that helps us to, you know, for those who are in the Christ-centered movement and like, yeah, Christ-centered this, I have a Christ-centered house and a Christ-centered dog. And, you know, <laughs> I'm just joking around. But, you know, for the Christ-centered folks, yes, and amen to Christ-centeredness, but that's an ideal. Of course, it's a person, but an ideal. But how do we actually achieve that ideal? By the help of the Holy Spirit in us to help comport ourselves to Christ. And so, I think I think in sort of a more new age way, you know, a, a spiritual reality is more of a vibe. It's more of a of a of, of a feeling of you know some some sort of self actualization where we're trying to you know engage the spirit in order to unlock things in ourselves so we can look deeper in ourselves to to be able to achieve all that we ought to be. But the reality is the deeper I look into myself, I find somebody who was dead in their sins. That's good. Yeah. And a heart that is deceitful above all things and that that needed to be made new, made alive in Jesus Christ. And now the spirit is in me to help me to live out the, the implications of my faith as marked out in the scripture that was inspired by the Holy Spirit that is then pointing me to Jesus by means of the spirit's work of sanctification in me. And being paired with the the power of the of the written word of God, and so there there's a cohesive reality uh, of the the transformation that happens in the Christian, the particular spirit that comes in, illuminating a particular person, and working to aliven us by a specific word that the Spirit inspired. So the specificity, if I can say it that way, of Christian spirituality, I think, is what makes it so powerful. I love that. It, it and I liked the trinitarian emphasis there because that's that's where we really see this start to flesh itself out. Of mm-hmm. It's it's a specific god who is this spirit, right? It's it's 
not just an idea. It's it's him, and it's him as this one guy with three persons in three persons, um, not with. Don't want to fall into Trinitarian heresy here. Um, so, okay, big thing, but has a lot of nuances. If you were to say uh, one or two ways that God's essence as a spirit plays itself out in spiritual formation, specifically to, to shaping who I am as a Christian. We've touched on a few things, specifically the nature of the spirit of God within us, us now existing as the people of God and the temples of God going into the world. What are, what are a few more elements you could think of about how this nature of God shapes us and forms us? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I guess to be specific, like even our, even our desires, what our desires are is really indicative of where we're trying to go. You know, it, it seems to me that, you know, as, as you grow in your understanding of the word of God and the spirit of God dwells more richly within you, as, as far as like not squelching the spirit by means of just outright high-handed, unapologetic sin in, in our lives, which really sort of mutes the voice of the spirit, that the spirit is still within somebody who's a believer, but it just sort of dampens the, the ability of the spirit to sort of direct and point you somewhere. Uh, but as far as our the spirit really helps our desires to be more in line with the scriptures and with God's plan and with God's, uh, you know, because because really, I mean, my, my I'm just selfish. Mm. I'll just put it that way. I'm just, Me I'm too, just brother. <laughs> I mean, Me too. and I want to be comfortable and, I, and I'm, I'm more than willing to sacrifice your comfort for mine. And so, mm. you know, but but the reality is, is that as we are those who are trying to comport our desires to the Lord's it's his will that people be saved. And sometimes that calls me out of the place of my comfort and not only out of the, the house that I live in or the, or the, 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 the comfy church where I worship, but it also call, you know, calls me out of my social circles, you know, into to places where people are antagonistic against the faith that I hold dear. Yeah. Right. And so, so my desires are definitely a place in the desires of every Christian is a place where Christian spirituality, uh, or I should say, even the ability to tap into the spirit or desire to tap into the spirit is indicative of, of that. So changing our desires is, is a big deal. I really liked what you said about how it pushes us into spaces we wouldn't normally go or be in or be around. That That I think uniquely connects to how God's spirituality leads to universality, that he's everywhere. He's over everything. So then mm -hmm. why should I be afraid of anything? Because no matter where I go, my Lord is always with me. Why should I be in any way combative towards another person who's different from me? Because anywhere I go, my Lord is over me and he's reigning over me and his image is on them too. So it's, it's, I liked that because it, it does inherently push us back into, well, because he's spirit, he's universal. Therefore I have to go out from here and I have to go out into these spaces that might not be mine that I mm -hmm. enter into. That's really helpful. I really like the way you brought that out. Yeah. You know what? And what's crazy is that because God is everywhere, again, spirit, everything is the Lord's. Yeah. So, so if we're, if we're talking about like this place is my place in life, well, it is because I'm a person, but because I'm particular, but God is everywhere. So every every place is his place. And we have to make it known to those who inhabit that space that it is God's. And I think that, you know, that every every square inch of the world, you know, to sort of riff on Kuiper a little bit, you know, is the Lord's. And we ought to declare that reality in that space because God dwells there. And we have to make yeah. that manifest in the way that we act in those spaces as well. Yeah. 
So helpful. So huge. Well, Walter, thank you so much for joining me. I think it's a great place to land. I think we covered a lot. Uh, yes, so. we did. I know. Did, so. It's crazy, right? It's crazy how it doesn't take that long. It's nuts. It doesn't. Um, it doesn't. Real quick, can you give yourself an advertisement? Uh, where can we find you? Uh, what do you got going on lately? Uh, yeah, certainly, cool. certainly. So uh, you can find me at Imago Day Church. Um, you know, there, shepherding the flock. Come on. <laughs> uh, at Southeastern Seminary, where I teach theology. Also, uh, I've been asked to put things that I do in one place so people can find them easier. You can do that. At, you can find that at WalterStrickland.com. Uh, also, you can contact me there um, and just kind of see more about my background and stuff like that and what I'm up to. Um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a I'm a little bit of an entrepreneur, so I got some some little projects I, that I'm working on. And so, but you can find that on the website if you if you want. There you go, Renaissance man. He does everything, ladies. He does everything. Um, awesome, Walter. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for joining us as well, and we will see you next time. Take care.